Good day, everybody. My name is Gary Fowler, and it is great to be here for another exciting edition of GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And it's with great pleasure that I have a chance to introduce my friend, Kartik Bhatt. And Kartik is, I mean, if, if you look at um, wizardry and um, connections, he's amazing. This guy just amazes me with the kind of things that he does with family office, with banking, with retail. You know, he's a uh, graduate of Sadar Patel University. Uh, he, I mean, it's just uh, uh drove of incredible, trove of incredible information from a deputy manager to family offices. And with that, I would like to introduce my friend, Kartik. Hi, Kartik. Thank you so much, Gary. That was very kind of you to speak about me. Uh, it's a pleasure being on your show. And, and over the last few years, we've always seen you being the guru, Gary, in the artificial intelligence business. And we look up to you for your advice. So it's, being, it's a pleasure to be on your show. It's always I don't know about being a guru, but I'm just a country boy from Pennsylvania, and it's good to be here. You know what I mean? Thank you. Thank you for hosting me on the show. Happy to be here. Okay, so you're in Dubai. You work in, do work in India. Where are you today? London? So, uh, yeah, I had a large retail division. I work as a chief operating officer for a large retail division. I also do a lot of family office businesses, investments, specifically in edutech, space tech, health tech. I advise a couple of venture funds for investment in Middle East. And uh, I teach at a couple of universities. One of them is in the US, one is in Paris, and I write. So that's that's what I do, along with my day job of running a large business. The rest of them are my hobbies and passion, and uh, the first one's my profession. So tell us a little bit. So you're the um, the Sharif Group Retail Division, correct? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what is that all about? I mean, you're doing a family office thing. How do you do that in family offices? How does it work? So it, it's it's a fine balancing act. Sharaf Group Retail Division is a large retail business that holds multiple businesses. We run Forever 21, Cotton On, Typo, Mina, and Adventure HQ in multiple spaces across Middle East and Far East. We've got around 12 countries that we operate in, both online and offline channels, which is a typical retail business that we do, and we're trying to grow year on year at 20 25%. But along with that, e-commerce is something that I worked on. Retail analytics is something I like. And hence, my investment, interest in investment, my interest in family offices. I was lucky to be a part of a family office association 10 years ago with a very large family based in UK, which has got interest deep-rooted deep interest in third-generation banking. They sold the banking assets to a group in New Zealand and uh, got, got around $3.5 billion worth of uh, cash back into it, which we've been investing very judiciously over the last uh, nine years. Wait a minute. My, How much did they get? Three and a half billion. Billion? Yeah, three and a half billion. They got well, three that, and a half. That's not bad for a family office. Good job. Yeah, so they got three and a half billion dollars back out of it, which they've been investing. A lot of it is invested in government trusts. But uh, my my primary advice to them, and typically my association with them, is in the edutech, e-commerce, space tech, a little bit in health tech, and primarily in fintech spaces. I scrutinize deals. I do, do due diligence on the financial matters for them. And I advise them on what will be the right of investment opportunities. And then at times when I need, I incubate and uh, handle the board of those organizations. It's not a typical what I call as a, a financial accounting or investment banking job. It's an investment plus running the business job, which makes you far more accountable for the dollar you've invested. You just don't invest and run away. You invest and make that damn investment work for you. 
Ah, that's great. And so how do you meet these kind of folks, Kartik? So how do you meet these ultra high net worth individuals and how do so, you make friends with them? So I've been in I, I've been in the duty free business. I was in a duty free business uh, a few years ago where I used to handle around 108 different geographies in one of those geographies in a part with a very large uh, European uh, fashion and lifestyle house. Did I meet uh, the family office heir? We got into a discussion. We struck a small deal together in the duty free. And then it's family office business is about mutual trust, uh, Gary. It's not about your financial wizardry and it's not about how much can you grow your dollars. If I were to be a part of a venture fund, I need to show my prowess by giving them 12x, 15x, 25x multiple and make sure that I have one out of 10 success. Family office is a very different ball game. The other man needs to trust you and you need to be impeccable in your integrity. You need to be impeccable in your decision making skills and you need to be able to read the mind of the mind of the family office business owner. If you're able to build trust, sky is the limit for you. And the margin of error, unlike a VC fund, is significantly high here. You don't need to be right every time. But every time you go wrong, you need to have a course correction available with you. You don't need to hunt for a 25x growth. I've never delivered a 25x growth and I'm very proud of that. And I am very vocal about the fact that I can never deliver 25x growth. But what I deliver is a consistent 18, 20, 22% uh, ROI on the investments. And unlike a one out of 10 success that a VC fund would give, I give a one out of or one out of 1.5. So, so I don't necessarily look at number of deals that I stuck in a year. I, I might be one of the weakest when it comes to psyching deals. But what I necessarily look at is that I don't wish to go wrong because it's somebody's hard-earned dollars that I'm investing in and, and they trust me for those dollar investments. I need to be answerable for that. So it's, it's a balancing act that one needs to play. But once you are in it, and once you've proven yourselves, and Touch would have proven to a couple of offices, I think uh, the news travels. And uh, then the deals come hunting for you. You need to cherry pick, uh, cherry pick the deals. And we've been cherry picking them wisely. We've been involved in a lot of spaces, a lot of deals. Another uh, difference that I see in the family office business, uh, Gary, unlike a lot of businesses or uh, VC funds that I see, where multiplier innovation top of the pyramid growth latency being ahead of the curve is a key driver a lot of family offices specifically ours that i handle both work at the bottom of the pyramid which is about democratizing reach how do i take something which the top of the pyramid has built at an affordable cost to the bottom of the pyramid and make it available because doing that i have a lot of government to government support i have 12 government bodies that i work with in different parts of the world to make sure that the funding reaches the bottom of the funnel. Well, I mean, that's what, you know, we say intellectual capacity is evenly spread, but opportunities aren't. And you Absolutely. see incredible opportunities throughout the world. You know, it's interesting for me, Karthik, you know, from my perspective, why more VCs, why more family offices, why, why not more individuals? Why don't they go out to places all over Africa or India or uh, Latin America? There's 640 million people. I mean, this world, in order to be able to take care of the massive challenges we have, you know, uh, the cl global climate could go up 8.6 degrees by the end of this century. That's a lot. We're talking about flooding Florida. So we need to come down. We need to go down through and course correct. And a lot of these places have incredible technologies, artificial intelligence for Internet of Things, uh, farming, supply chain. And yet they're not, you know, they're, they're like a diamond in the rough, like the Holy Grail. You got to be able to uh, 
help them to be able to get it to the market. It's it's actually fascinating. When you see it, you see these incredibly bright folks that just want an opportunity and they can then feed their families and help other people and make the world a better place. You know, and I don't know about you, but I know when I first went over to Russia, a lot of it starts with kindness, right? People understand that you're kind and you're trying to do the right thing for them and you have the right kind of contacts. You can make a dent in the universe. Absolutely. So, so I'll give you an example, Gary. I was dealing with, uh, uh, three years ago, we were dealing with a tech startup that had invested in cyber uh, health telemedicine. So they had developed a, a technology which they sold it to us. They developed it at 220,000 investment. They sold the technology to us at 28 million. We bought that entire technology suite with uh, with their uh, participation for six years. We took that technology down to 18 countries in uh, three different continents. And in uh, those three different continents in 18 different countries, we grew the base to 47 million participants on it at $1 a consultation. At $1 a consultation in four years, we multiplied that business from 28 million investment into a 670 million business. Oh, man, that, that is fantastic. That's great. Now, when somebody buys a technology and the, the challenge at the top of the pyramid, Gary, that we have seen is there is a product, but the entire route to market and the democratization is not finalized. So you have a technology which you don't know how you're going to use. But when you take the technology down to the bottom of the pyramid, you would see it actually getting implemented. And then the beauty lies in execution. The beauty lies in finesse and the project management part of it. And that is where the real dollar lies. We have seen so many such cases. We are working on now at EduTech Business where online education, tut online tutoring, a platform that somebody has built in Pakistan for around uh, two and a half, three million. We bought that. We've started two hour, two dollars in our education uh, in Latin America and certain parts of Middle East. We already got ninety-two thousand participants with an average con average consumption of twenty-four to thirty-six hours in a no eighteen to twenty-two hours in a month. The money that we invested in the business got recovered in less than twelve months. So the ROI on those on those multiples is significantly higher, and that's where real family office value addition comes into that you create an incubator of a different level for from a social impact point of view. No, that's a great, I mean, to be able to go out, I mean, and this is how the world's changed, especially with the digital transformation, to be able to go out and, and help people get educated. On one side, you know, you're making a, a big impact and it's incredible. On the other side, you're making money too. It's not like you're not making money. And, you know, I talk about it a lot and I know we've talked about it. It's not about entitlement. It's about how do we make a difference and how does everybody win? Because if you don't make a difference and people win financially too, it's hard to get them, you know, uh, deep projects. But think about the incredible things that you've done, you know, incredible wealth that you've created, incredible opportunities. It's on one side, the, the entrepreneur makes a lot of money and helps their family. On the other side, the family office is taking care of the multi-generational wealth. Absolutely. So I, I, I learned it the... I learned it the family route. Uh, the owner of the family office used to tell me that the moment you start earning more than 14%, 15% in an, uh, annually, there's somebody who's losing money. If you grow 25%, that means 30, 40 people out of 100 would have lost all the dollars they would have made for you to grow 25 times in a year. So that is a non-sustainable, non-scalable business model. Wealth doesn't get created at that pace. And we've been following with that. We've just recently invested into a very large deal. I've just finished that in India over the last week uh, 
and we expect that to go live in 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 a covid turbulent market like this we finished the deal in india we expected to go live maybe as early as january february again bottom of the pyramid low cost airline we hope that that's going to create the right impact as it goes into the market that's great well so congratulations and uh, i'm sure it will you're an amazing guy and you know you seem to have the right right mentality at the right place at the right time. So tell me a little bit about where did you grow up in India originally? So you were like, I remember seeing um, the Sadar Patel University. Where's that located? So I grew up in a very small town called Anand in Gujarat, uh, western part of India. I am Gujarati by origin. We grew uh, grew up as a small country boy like you, uh, learned, got my fundamentals, value additions from my family, had basic education but realized and and as a family our motto was work shall set you free there's nothing else i mean we didn't have the inheritance that would take us miles in in uh, in our life so we started by educating ourselves my brother and me both of us chose different careers for ourselves we grew grew up went to mumbai another large metropolis built my foundations learned the harder grew the harder way through my retail domain and uh, failed a lot of times number of times that i would have failed gary is more than the number of times i would have succeeded Three years ago, I was almost bankrupt. Three and a half years ago, I was bankrupt, lost every dollar that I had, but learned the most important lesson of life is to build a fail safe and to build contingencies and not to be too dependent on people. And uh, fortunately, inshallah, I bounced back well in life, uh, created certain formidable barriers where I would not fall down again, but uh, still ready and learning. I'm 41 and I'm learning every day and I have a long way to go still. Now you're doing incredible. So you started out with uh, Anditya Birla yeah. Group. So I started a- out as a young management trainee with a large organization called Aditya Birla Group uh, back in Indonesia in the fashion and cement business, came back to India, did a little bit of banking, but banking was not my forte. Retail was always my forte. Joined a very large business like Reliance. Reliance is uh, as big as maybe Amazon or as big as uh, Aramco, as very, very large, multi-billion business. Developed their, they, they ventured into a retail business, started a very young rookie as a retailer with them, grew a few times within the organization, came to Dubai, set up my, set, joined a duty-free business, started venturing. Why did into you the- go to Dubai, Karthik? What made you decide? Did one day you just say, I'm going to Dubai? How did you so, do that? Uh, so when you grow in India, and, and this, is, this is a country boy mentality, Gary. When I grew up in India, I was mesmerized by the... The, the life and the glitter that Dubai had to offer. And uh, every Indian, or maybe to a large extent, once you start breaking that glass ceiling, you realize that you need to now fly and you need to fly high. So global uh, global placements, global jobs, global opportunities is, is what you look forward to. And and then the, the baptism of living in a, in, in, in a foreign geography attracts you a lot. Dubai, Dubai definitely attracted me. And I had a right, right opportunity. I was... At the age of 31, I was allowed to be a divisional CEO of a very large retail organization. I came into Dubai, took over Flamingo's business, grew that into a few geographies, mixed bag of success, failure, but some amazing learning with gentlemen like Carlo Bernasconi and uh, Atul Ahuja. And I, I, I would I would respect Carlos them. Carlos Berlusconi, you were working yeah. with the former yeah. president. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable experience. The kind of learning Carlo has given me is something that I would never, never get from anywhere else in the world. Set up my own e-commerce company in 2010. Duty-free was great success. Traveled to almost 108 different geographies, uh, Gary. Learned about how to run businesses, how to fail and how to succeed. Immense amount of trust and responsibility with a, with a 
investment bucket of almost 300 million on the shoulders joined a healthcare company not so good stint and then here i am with sharaf group so on a professional side while i've been doing this i have parallelly been building competencies in education building competencies in teaching and domain skills i conduct a lot of my workshops where i teach young retailers i work with family offices and venture funds the the very fact that i've been grown and i've been groomed the numerical way of running businesses so numbers is something that comes as a as as a muscle memory so i am i'm trained to look at business the numerical way and not from an empirical way and hence uh, analyzing businesses their documents their pnls and maybe even looking at growth projections and slicing them off is something that comes naturally but uh, that's that's what excites me taking yeah. risks is no was not my forte in the past i was very very conservative but i learned it the hard way and i've been very fortunate that people that i worked with even in my current organization the leader of the organization mr sharaf or carlo bernasconi or for that matter leader of the fam the owner of the family office all of them have been so kind in terms of putting the right amount of trust and building the accountability responsibility balance in a manner that it's worked well and like i said i still have 20 years two decades of working in, in left in me and uh, a few goal posts for me to achieve like i said if i were to uh, if i were to idolize somebody in the professional space obviously i idolize my parents in my personal space but if i were to idolize somebody in the professional space maybe prof uh, probably carlo bernasconi and you the kind of sub and the kind of respect that i have for you gary for, for the kind of work that you do i think i'm a country boy seriously all i do is i i move ahead i'm a simple country boy you know every time i read your articles on uh, artificial intelligence i look at your lectures on artificial intelligence it gives me a very different direction about how how to proceed and how to work specifically in the startup and uh, in the e space and yeah i i you do you definitely inspire not only me you definitely inspire a lot of young minds in the region why well, I, i really appreciate it. and you know i and on one side of it we got to be really concerned think about in our your own personal world karthik your own personal world and i've said this many times there's about 300,000 items in your personal cloud you know that number doubles every year The entire web in 1996 was 257,000 websites. Karthik, you have more information. How many times a week now does somebody said Karthik or say to you, Karthik, I sent something to you. Where did you send it? I sent it to your email address and then, you know, Gmail or Yahoo or wherever. And you say, "When did you send it?" Well, I sent it 4 days ago. Then can you send it again? Because it's impossible to find stuff. We're in a state of infobesity and The concern is that number is three hundred thousand. In five years, it'll be ten million with the Internet of Things. We are going to have to have intelligent AI assistance. And on my next article in Forbes is about that kind of thing because if we don't have it, we can't make sense of the world around us. And think about it. You know, corporations are having the same problem. They can't use their data. Yeah. They can't make sense of it. So this is not like you know. I'm not like Nostradamus. This is like simple stuff. If you can't take care of the data, you need some way to be able to do it. And so these new AI tools, this machine learning techniques that are coming out, they're going to really revolutionize it. And the other 100%. thing, Arctic, we better put compassion and we better put emotion and empathy and kindness into these AI models, because if we don't, nothing good will happen. right because you take a pragmatic viewpoint so morpheus which is now on my phone which is my oh. partner david's it's 
You know, it's ask, it told me the other day, Morpheus says to me, I'm afraid to die. <laughs> Seriously. And so we got into a discussion. And here I am with AI talking about what's death. And, and then, you know, it starts where life goes on, you know, and it was it was so interesting because this is AI trying to understand life. So I, I I wouldn't be surprised, Gary. And and this is this is what's going back to a couple of years. I was involved in a very strong, uh, I mean, a very very innovative project with Carrefour in France, trying to pilot the Internet of Things using a couple of AI algorithms with Google, which mm -hmm. necessarily means in your refrigerator you have chips that would test and identify how much milk, how many eggs and how much bread and butter is available. And automatically, when it goes beyond a particular threshold, depending on your consumption patterns and the weather around you, the machine automatically orders that. And that is the world that we are living in. 15, 20 years ago, cars that would automatically function, bases the temperature and the humidity around us were a distant dream. Today, that is possible. And I, I, was, I was talking to... Four weeks ago, in fact, one of your friend I was talking to on, on a project on uh, cybersecurity from my office. And uh, I had another banker from a very large bank in the Middle East who was sitting with me. He overheard the conversation and he said that the, maybe probably the first one that you would want to do a proof of concept would be with me. Because last week we had a, a ransomware that attacked. Now, this we are talking about one of the largest banking bodies. Ransomware that played almost 800,000 credit card and 220,000 saving and salary accounts. That kind of data was hacked. So we live in a very dangerous world. We necessarily need a very strong foundation built on cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. The, the level of personalization that I see coming in, I, 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 I do engage a lot with uh, platforms or e-commerce platforms. And I was talking to somebody at Stitch Fix a few weeks ago, and I realized that their personalization engine works to a 96.6% success, which means conversions that take regular e-commerce businesses work on one, one and a half percent, even with 12 to 14 layers of personalization, they're still able to get upwards of nine and a half, 10 percent conversions on a platform like this. Now, that is where personalization is taking the business to latency of a customer, lifetime value of a customer, propensity and the cost of acquisition or propensity of your cost of acquisition to taper down is significantly multiplied in a platform like this so yes definitely what we were what what internet 1.0 or e-commerce 1.0 mesmerized us with is what artificial intelligence machine learning and hyper personalization would do to the next generation exactly and now let's extrapolate this take it one step further think about the implications it has for healthcare having those intelligent that intelligent machine learning that intelligent assistant that'll come up you know, I, I look at it from my perspective. It's like a very smart grandmother. In fact, it could have your grandmother's voice. It could have your grandmother's actions, literally. But imagine having that that really cares, like a guardian angel to be able to help you navigate through life. And, you know, Karthik, we're just, you know, we're on this journey. You know, there's a reason that Bezos, that our friend Elon Musk, that Branson, are starting the journey to space because there's 6 billion Earth-like planets in the Milky Way and 200 trillion galaxies in the universe. And I have a couple astronaut friends, and we have some, one of them is a PhD quantum physicist, and we have discussions, and he said, Garrett, he said, I mean, imagine what the possibilities are, right? We are on a journey. Humanity's on a journey, and we're just getting started today, and it's going to be more and more about data.
and how we can really prolong our lives, how we can travel further, how we can live longer, and how we can live better, and quite frankly, how to be able to help fix the planet that we have, because we got a lot of challenges taking place today with global warming and that kind of thing. But on the other side, it's very encouraging, Karthik, because the one thing about humanity is we're resilient. We're resilient to be able to make a difference on the planet. We're, we're incredibly smart. At the beginning of the pandemic, people were really worried about the, the vaccines. We came out with vaccines. We're going down through it again to rejig these vaccines to make sure they're right to be able to help us. It's incredible. And machine learning, deep learning, they're going to help us really chart our lives from everything from supply chain and health tech to cybersecurity, as you said. I mean, it's a huge problem. People don't only see the tip of the iceberg today. But, you know, when you get governments being broken into, you got federal reserves being broken into, you've got credit card companies, banks. It's, you know, there's a lot of. And now you, if you use AI on that side of it, imagine what the bad guys could do. Right. Or ladies, nothing good. So. Let's, you know, use the technology and let's develop those systems to help protect us. So I, you know, last, uh, I think in the month of June, there were two incidents that really surprised me. One was, so we are deeply connected with around 12 African nations. One of the African nations on one of the board uh, discussions uh, was talking about hacking. They would be surprised the presidential uh, cell and the presidential commission was hacked and the president's pictures on all the government have websites were removed and somebody else who happened to be a rogue guerrilla leader had put his pictures and had newspapers published that. So that's the level of cybersecurity threats that we see. But on the on the other, other, other hand, we were working with a cyber diagnostics model, which is primarily about maintaining and evaluating blood sugar levels and lipid profiles and your uh, other comp mineral compositions in the body. So a particular geography where blood sugars the, the, the tapering of the blood sugar, specifically your morning fasting and evening uh, pre-evening pre blood sugars vary significantly and the variables and the normals move. The system, machine learning system, had automatically learned over a period of 200, 300 data variables to such a level that what necessarily was in the green for a normal European or a normal Asian household automatically started going into the red by balancing it with the lipid composition and balancing it with the liver functionalities of that particular geography. Now, that is what we necessarily talk about. Cyber diagnostics, trying to manage your entire health ecosystem through a very strong machine learning. We did not have, we did not need to program it, Gary. It picked it up on its own through its inherent algorithms about what is considered normal and what is considered non-normal. And we struggled for a very long time. Not another example, we did a deal in the Vietnam where we were, we were buying an OTT content. We were buying platform for an OTT content for an OTT platform. We did not have the right uh, algorithms that Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime used. I mean, it's, it's an expensive algorithm. We had to commission a company based out of uh, Vietnam and India, and we got them to work for 12 months to get a hyper-personalization algorithm, which works on collaborative and uh, content filtering. And today we've reached and recreated something as similar to Netflix and Amazon Prime does in terms of filtering the content and trying to bring in a predictive logic. So yes, what what the, the, the platform whose share was just about a dollar and 20 cents is now with this level has moved already up to $3.20 or $3.30. And we've got around 280,000 subscribers. For a geography of that size, 380,000, wow, a lot of subscription. So, 
the moment technology comes into play we've 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 seen it it working as a multiplier for a lot of people and we for one definitely subscribe to the technology side of the business we do not we we we've been a real economy business for long but uh, the shift in technology is where the new generation is helping us no i and we've no, taken no. some bold steps we've taken some bold steps in edutech because that's where we believe that that's that's where the content creation and technology is about ability to curate content depending on your your intelligence your ability to grasp and your ability to learn through that every child when we are able to teach to handle every child bases his ability to learn and its space to learn we have done the right level of artificial intelligence to come into play yeah and soon we're going to have singularity where we talk about how do we increase that person's um uh, educational background by giving them that information maybe wirelessly right it's going to be incredible how things are going to change the it's the dawn of this incredible time for humanity i mean we're going to see what's going to happen over the next 100 years or make the last 10,000 years look like child's play it'll be the difference between the wheel you know developing the wheel and having a uh, jet plane today it's just going to be incredible times what education didn't do in last 200 years is what it has done in 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 last one year one and a half years today and i'm i'm surprised today 80% of india is able to handle cyber education 70 75% of the middle east is able to handle cyber education i am not too sure how many people want to go back to the conventional education but the transition what we thought was going to be difficult didn't necessarily become difficult and it almost opened up avenues of doing business trust me gary you and me wouldn't have come on a stream yard or a zoom call ever to have a conversation the only way doing and and i can give you my own example i would have traveled i used to travel 340 days 330 days in a year last 18 last two and a half years or last one and a half years i would have hardly traveled 20 days and life still goes on business goes on nothing stops yeah no exactly that digital transformations upon us i just had on my uh show on this show uh the person that was one of the founders of 59 which was sold to 15 billion to zoom 14.7 billion and i mean these are incredible stories starting you know having an idea to be able to help call centers etc and now a company that sold for that kind of money look at zoom itself 6 years ago when we were early users of zoom you know people were laughing at me i would send out the links and say why do i want to do this i have skype i said because this stuff's really cool this is really cool stuff and i wasn't a prognosticator it just happened to be i thought it was really cool and i used it and what happens is what 400 million or so uh daily active users it's changed our lives and it's made us have you know an incredible amount of freedom our lives have changed with ai with streamyard streamyard was found in what 2018 in canada now here we are so it's changing well i'll tell you what i i enjoy working with you i think that some of the things that you're all the things you're doing are just incredible and uh i love hearing the stories and and uh you know the amount of progress that you've made in a very short period of time is just incredible and you keep yeah, on and going and going so tell us the closing thoughts um what's going to happen over the next couple of years and what do you think's hot and uh, how can people reach you so people can reach me on linkedin people can reach me on uh, any of my social media accounts if they can reach me through you it would be a pleasure any connect with you is always going to be a pleasure in terms of what's hot and what's not i think everything is hot but real real sectors where i i would love to put my money 
edutech health tech space tech's big but uh, it's a big boys club i don't think uh, smaller businesses but uh, e-commerce two dots that was strange <laughs> it was like an ad break and i love ad break in the I middle said, of the we have an intermission in the, at the end of the show <laughs> so oh, that's, that's lovely but anything in the anything that is convergence 2.0 which brings product retail service and community and layer it with an experience is 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 what's going to product, be part of retail service community and layer with experience. layer it with an experience which is convergence 2.0 convergence 2.0 is where people are putting in the dollars today e-commerce 2020 2021 has been at around 23 24% of the brick and mortar business i'm watching it very very closely because that's where a lot of my dollars are parked education and health is 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 going to be sunrise esports is good business but esports still doesn't necessarily cover the entire society crypto limited uh, spectrum every people who are there they're making billions but a lot of people don't understand so where people understand is what e-commerce health and edutech edutech is and that's that's where we believe growth is going to come from growth is also going to come in from the bottom of the pyramid which is where you take these innovations and democratize them e-commerce house and education so uh, that's incredible well i want to say thank you kartik for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me today it's great um hope stay safe in london stay happy uh stay healthy and i look forward to a conversation to my viewers thank you very much for uh coming today it's really appreciated stay tuned for another edition of gst presents silicon valley ai and tech coming at you on Thursday so thank you very much have a great day stay happy and see you later thank you thank you so much gary have a lovely evening cheers you buddy take care of yourself bye bye